House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Oh, welcome back into the House of Mystery. And uh, today we've got returning guest, Blake Allward. How are you doing, Blake? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I am delicious. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> I'll put that out there. You never know. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> what's going on with you? Uh, you haven't been back since June, but um, you're always a happy guy. So this is a, a nice, cheery interview today. <laughs> well, I am at the moment. Let's just put it that way. I don't know. It's hard to be cheery when it's you know when you're locked into your in your little quarantine world. But I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, but when okay, so does it did it affect your writing? So since the pandemic and all this sort of stuff, all the crazy stuff this last year, um, do you find yourself unable to write or slowed down or kind of not as happy in writing or like has it affected you? Well, you know, so we talked what seven months ago. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, so. I did really well with the quarantine until around, I guess, November, maybe October. And that's when everything kind of got really, the walls started coming in on me a little bit. Um, so I has it affected my writing? I Yeah, absolutely. So I try to write five hours a day at the very least. And I find that I'm so hungry for human interaction. <laughs> I spend a little bit too much time on social media. Um, and I also, you know, spend time out walking in my, I, I live, you know, as we talked about last time, I live in an RV with my husband and dog. And so we're currently in this uh, park, uh, Thousand Trails Park. And I have quite a few neighbors here for the winter. And so I find myself walking amongst them just to be around other human beings. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely has has affected my writing. My creativity isn't quite as quite as good. Um, I will be very happy when this is over, Alan. I really would like it to be over. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think that um, that's part of the problem. But um, it's the anxiousness. It's the um, and 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 I have to say, there's just a little bit too much of this. Um, like last year. Oh, it'll it'll be over quick. It'll be over by summer. It'll be over by winter. It'll be over by next year. You know, all that talk. I think we have to really look at at it taking two to three years. Well, you know, it depends on what. I guess this. Um, you know, my husband's a registered nurse, so I hear very often about, um, you know, what's going on in the whole world. But I think it depends on how the vaccine goes. I know. I you know, we have a new a new direction um, in Washington, D.C., so hopefully, you know, that will spur some some uh, activity and, and we'll get vaccinated and, and we it will put a little bit of an end to it, <laughs> at least enough that people can go out and be around other people. Yeah, I, I think I, well, you know, I kind of looked at the uh, history of the, the last pandemic and uh, and, and it just takes time, you know, to get everybody to get a shot and get on board and, and uh, to evolve into a, 
a better place. I think if we would have looked at it when it started as this would be a two to three year process, it would take away some of the anxiousness because people feel like, it, oh, it's just going on too long and why doesn't it, you know, get solved? But I, I don't know. I think... No, um, I, human beings are social creatures. So even if we know it's going to take three years, I still think people would be anxious. I, I think we, we need... We need interaction. I do. I miss it. I do. I do. Yeah, of course. It's always good. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know what we can do about it because I look at things like, okay, Super Bowl coming up, and, and, and it seems like people are still they're so focused on getting on with sports and with all these things that are normal. It's like, why? I, I, can't, can't we just give it up for a year or two? Well, I think when it all started, we, we weren't given really clear expectations. So when things started out, you know, last January, when it started hitting uh, the United States really bad, it, we someone should have stood up and said, hey, we've got a pandemic coming. This is what you're going to have to do to stay safe. Uh, if you don't stay safe, other people don't stay safe. Um, and then we have people like New Zealand who actually thought someone did that. Uh, they gave direction and leadership in the beginning. And as a result, New Zealand has very little or no COVID. I have a friend that lives in Grand Cayman, and it's the same with them. They are basically able to live um, hmm. COVID-free. They don't have to wear masks. They can come and go as they want. They don't have any tourism or very little. Right. But, yeah, for real. Well, I think most of the countries uh, in the world have done better. <laughs> yeah, the poor UK, they haven't. Well, yeah. they've, they've had some bads. But, you know, they're so tight. They're, they're in such a small country with so many people. You're right. That's absolutely right. I, I keep forgetting the, you know, the British Isles are the size of one of our states. Yeah, and you put everybody in there. And that's crazy. Actually, they've done well considering how bad... Uh, how how densely populated they are, um, but yeah, you know it's um, it's a mess. Um, well, you know, uh, so so, but you managed to get some stuff out since our last talk. So um, you you were doing this what's this chance uh, series? So what's what's the story behind this? You know, that's a fun that's a fun little twist. So when I started in 2019, I, I opened a Facebook page under my pen name, Blake Allwood. Um, and immediately, um, like within the first week, I had gay men who began sending me questions like, Dear Abby questions. <laughs> what do I do when this boy, you know, my boyfriend did Or I would like to have a boyfriend. I don't know. So I don't have a clue why they thought I would have answers. <laughs> Clearly, they, they thought I did. Um, and the overwhelming theme that I got from these, uh, especially the ones who wanted a boyfriend, is how bitter they were about exes. So a bad relationship uh, had led to another bad relationship. And as I asked them questions, it almost always came down to the fact that they assumed all men did the same thing. You know, John Smith over here, he messed, he screwed me over, he cheated on me, he wasn't honest, whatever. 
And so they go into their next relationship believing the same thing. So that inspired me. And um, I wrote about two men, Martin and uh, uh, Peter. And they had a relationship. Uh, Peter's mom ended up trashing Martin and they were engaged. They ended up breaking up. And so that was the premise for the whole story. Um, and Love by Chance is about, Love by Chance is about uh, the book that I wrote in response to this. And it's about how Martin, who was screwed over by Peter and his mom, ended up overcoming his past so that he could fall in love with Elian, who is this darling, absolute, amazing, Cuban, Latin lover. <laughs> I made Elian kind of the perfect guy, at least in my head. And um, Martin really, you know, didn't give him much of a chance. So I, I made Elian work really hard. And ultimately, Mar you know, Martin did too. So that's where Love by Chance, the, the book that came out, I, I, I published that one in July. And I published Peter's book. Uh, at the same time. So Peter, you know, is the one who, who screwed up with Martin and uh, his mom, which I call Matilda the Hun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Martin's, uh, Martin's a part of the first of Peter's book. But Peter's book, it goes a totally different direction. Um, that's the first book I've written with a, a bisexual character. Um, Trevor, the other main character in the book, uh, is bisexual. He has a newborn baby named Luca. And Peter is also the first. Well, I, you know, I have a, I have a, a contemporary romance that I wrote, um, Romantic Renovations, that has a suspense plot twist. But, but Another Chance with Love is much more suspense romance than Romantic Renovations. Hmm. When, so, when, it, I was going to say, when you do these, like when you're doing, um, when you're doing these love stories, is it always is it always going to be a happy ending? Do you, do you never leave things in a bad way, or do, does it all get sewed up? So, a love story doesn't have to have a happy ending. Um, I my brain is not registering. Um, there is a famous writer who's a lot of a lot of his books have been turned into like the notebook. Who wrote the notebook? I can't think at the top of my head. Mm, yeah. So his books are love stories because they don't always end well. It's about love, but it doesn't always end well. A romance has to end with a happily ever after. That's the that's the only major rule for a romance novel. It has to end happily ever after. You can do whatever you want to to them in the process. You can make them miserable. You can kill off their entire family and friends, but at the end of the day, they have to get the guy. Well, so it's a it's a perfect book for uh, people that want to get happy, feel happy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, romance. <laughs> I call romance uh, brain candy. <laughs> well. It's but it's interesting, you know. But but people really look for that, don't they? Yeah, I mean, 
when life is hard, you don't really want to read about hard lives. Um, you, you want to read about something positive and a beat. And very often, um, romance pits that niche for a lot of people. And, you know, so COVID is, you know, we live with some pretty depressing things. And when things, you know, back from November up until the 20th of January, things got really hot and heavy in the world. And so Rome, a lot of people escaped uh, the world by going into romance because you know no matter what happens it's going to end up positive so yeah i think people do use it as a way to escape a hard life depressing times yeah well that's pretty interesting um so how do you keep coming up with the stories like how do you so when you talk about that is it just from the letters you get or from people asking questions and <laughs> no 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 so there's a story in my head all the time I could sit here right now and we could come up with a plot. I could give you characters. Um, it, those exist in my head all the time. That's a little bit, I'm a little weird that way. I wake up in the morning with a, with a movie going on in my head that I've made up. Usually it's from a dream that I've woken up from that it just keeps revolving. Very often my, um, they call them plot bunnies. Uh, the stories that come to your your mind and you don't have time to write them, you write them a very quick thing in your in your journal, and, and those are your plot bunnies for a future story. Plot bunnies come to me as I'm waking up in the morning, um, but I'm inspired by a lot of different things. It could be a trip we're going, it could be something someone says to me. I have a I have a series that's coming out in the next uh, few months that's written about Big Bend National Park, which I love. I really did love the National Park, but it was a woman. We were at this little motel, and this woman, um, they had chickens at the motel, which I thought was bizarre. <laughs> you know, it's it's Texas. What can you say? Um, but I'm, I had my little Jack Russell, and we were overlooking at the chickens, and this woman comes out, and she's friendly until she sees my husband, and then she becomes nasty of course you know she's in my book <laughs> did you kill her off i didn't but i made her life really miserable <laughs> you give her you give her cancer and she no, lost her foot and i i will say that she ended up uh it was a bad thing she she lost her home and had to go move to a horrible place and it was really fun to her chickens died <laughs> yeah she it wasn't her chickens. the chickens got killed but she certainly lost a lot. But, you know, that's a, you know, one statement or one thing that happened can completely create a series for me. Um, but, yeah, that's... that's yeah, me. but, you know, when you when you come across that, is that that's still an issue in the U.S. And, um, like, a big issue. Because she didn't like that you had a man as a husband, right? Yeah, it... I'm shocked by things, and then I'm not. So that was in Texas, not very far from Big Bend National Park. And the woman, um, she was older, and she definitely had an issue with us. However, I live at the, like I said, I'm in a park at the moment that's 55 or older, and there's a bunch of snowbirds around me. 
and I'm not 55, but uh, they allowed me to stay here. They wanted the young, hot. I am the young whippersnapper, and I enjoy it. (laughs) They wanted the stud walking around the park in the shorts. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Although you see some of these these men are definitely more studly than I am. (laughs) They work out everything. But um, I'm here amongst all these older people from all over the country, and I have had zero negative responses in regards to our sexuality. Yeah, it seems, you know, it's funny, it's, well, it's not funny, but it's, um, you know, like even in Canada, you know, things have been uh, legal for over 20 years, like far, far ahead, and it's sort of blended in. You get into the states, there's still a lot of issue. Um, no, it's only been legal for, what, six years for us to get married. I, I'm, I lived in, I'm from Tennessee. I lived in Missouri for many, many years. Uh, Missouri was hateful. Yeah. Personally, uh, we were foster parents, and, and they they did not want us to be foster parents, and they made our lives miserable as a result. I don't want to go into a lot of detail about that, but they were they were actively working against us being foster parents. And while in the night in the early two thousands, Missouri passed a constitutional amendment against me and Chuck so that we would never be able to be married. A constitutional amendment. They also passed a law, and then Tennessee did the same thing. Tennessee and Missouri are the only two states that I think also passed a law that's called Don't uh, Don't Say Gay, making it illegal for teachers to use the word gay in classrooms. So, yeah, I mean, it was, that was just a few years ago. <laughs> it was horrible. Crazy. Horrible to experience that. So the fact that we are as far along today as we are, considering how horrible it was just a few years ago, I think we've made leaps and bounds um, in our in our human rights here in the states. But does does so that make it does stuff. that make it more of a challenge for you to write uh, gay romance? Like you Heck feel. No. No, no, it doesn't bother no, you. No, at, at this point in my life, I'm like, screw you. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. Gonna write it, and I'm going to write what I feel, and I'm going to put what my thoughts are. You know, here I am in this very, it is rather conservative community that I'm in. And I've got a gay flag out, and I've, I, I'm on the Facebook page, and I've, I've got author Blake Allwood. <laughs> well, you know, but I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, probably a lot of the this, this straight client. Uh, they have no idea that Blake Allwood is not a real name. Well, that's true. Right. <laughs> Blake I mean, Allwood is a real name. It's just not. Well, no, but you know what I mean. Like they don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They they probably think that's. Well, that's they all know where I'm at because they they come visit me. But yeah, the, the ones around me, but they probably think I am Blake. Uh, they don't call me by my real name. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that it's not. It's funny because uh, in the gay world, you can pick up things. Um, subtleties that I don't think they get in in their world. So you know, no, no. you're talking about my last name. All yeah, wood. they're not thinking all wood. <laughs> oh as, no, these people are perverts up in here. Trust me, these little these little old women know exactly what I was doing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, now, these were hippies. You forget this is the hippie generation. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, that's funny. Uh, now, would you, are you putting, now, in the romance, do you put some of your own romance into it? 
not not between my my husband and me, no. <laughs> but you know, my experience as a gay man going there. Um, well, what, you were a virgin until you got married. Oh hell no! Excuse me, I should not say hell. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. No, that's all right. Are you kidding? I'm a gay man. Did you miss that part? No. Uh, I, I, you could be. I came uh, out when I was 19. Was wild as a buck. Um, oh. But do I put my own? I mean, here's the thing. I'm writing as a gay man. I'm not, you know, I'm actually writing in my own voice here. Um, so it's my experience that I'm writing the sex scene. I will say this, and we talked about this last time too, and I've heard other other, and your guests speak a little bit to it as well, other, other guests that you've had. Sorry, I can't hardly talk today. Um, I experience sex. As a man, I think, and a gay man, but definitely as a man in general, differently than women experience sex. So when I write a, a sex scene, it might be, you know, he gave me a blowjob and it was awesome. <laughs> and that yeah. would be how I would describe it. <laughs> it was great. Um, but, uh, but the female readers, they want a lot more detail and they want oohs and ahs and broken sentences and I see I don't do that that's not how I have sex so um, you know I'm all up in my head enjoying the experience <laughs> not worried about how he feels I really truly don't care <laughs> <laughs> so so you, are you practicing you can't do that when you're writing a gay oh. you especially if your audience is mostly women you have to write it so that they are able to get into it what, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I was going to say, so do you do you get your husband to act out these scenes to see if they work? <laughs> no. It's oh. a great idea, but I have asked him a couple times. I said, hey, honey, I read this. We should try that out. And he just looks at me. Oh. You know, we've been together for 26 years, Valentine's Day. That's good. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. But that's a good thing, right? It's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, so so many men don't um, last that together, yeah, and only that. Um, I will say that there's a lot of couples that stay stay together, but there's a lot of them have open relationships. Now, I think if I remember right, you guys don't. No, we never did. Uh, we talked about it in the beginning, um, and it, it didn't work for us. You know, we tried it out. It just was weird. It didn't quite work. I think it works for a lot of people. But it, it, it wasn't quite right for us. Do you put that in your books then too? Does that does that fit in? Because that is a big thing with with gay couples, with male couples, the whole idea of uh, open relationships and stuff. So does that ever get addressed in a romance book? It does. A lot of the women who write romance um, add open relationship uh, and, and multiple partners into their relationships. You know, I write what I, I know and what I've experienced. And since most of my, since my relationship is monogamous, that tends to be what I write. Um, I've thought about doing an open relationship, but I, I don't, it's one of those things I don't quite understand it enough or well enough as, um, as an author to, I think, put it into the right context. Um, it would be better coming from someone who has had an open relationship that's worked, I think. Yeah, but would a, would a woman know that? Like, uh, I mean, I, I'm not trying to get 
uh, controversial here, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, but, you know, a woman, no matter what sex she is, like as in gay or straight or whatever, but when you typically they're not having open relationships like male couples, so would they really know kind of what it's like to do that? Most women write from a fantasy perspective, so this is just their fantasy. Um, okay, so it's not like it's... Yeah, so they're writing, they're writing sex, uh, relationship, as they would want to have it if they were in an imaginary gay relationship. There's very, some of them do a really good job with reality. I, I don't think that that's their goal, though. They're, they're writing to... There's actually a formula that I read, and it's not just for gay uh, or MM romance is what they call uh, what gay, gay novels written for women, uh, women writing for women. They usually call that MM romance. And... There's a formula to what they want that to look like and how they want that to be. Um, and if you don't follow that formula, they get really grumpy about it. So it is a very fantasy-driven um, concept that that I don't write well to. <laughs> I have to have help. I have editors that help me. Um, hone my books to that audience. Sounds like it's quite a bit more um, um, layered or, you know, complicated than just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, that's, that's mo, mo, and I have a lot, I have a lot of female writers that are friends of mine that, or acquaintances, I guess, is more accurate. And we talk about that. You know, for us, sex is wham, bam. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we here we really like it, and we we seek it, and we you know we're intense about it. But we don't, you know, it, we're not as emotionally involved about sex. And, and I know I'm stereotyping, and I know you've got people in your audience going, "Oh my God, this guy is, is being a stereotypical guy." Um, but there is some reality to that. I think you know, as as men in general, I think we see think we see sex more of you know, just straightforward, let's do it, let's have fun. It is fun. Um, but it's functional. it's functional. It's functional. and fun. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's fun, Alan, it's fun. Well, yeah, and you can have, yeah, I think I think what you're trying to say, maybe I'm wrong, but is that um, two men can have fun functionally and separate that between a, re a relationship or, um, you know, maybe um, love or intimacy or, or something like that. There is a difference between the two. Yeah, I think gay, I think men in general, especially gay men, again, I'm stereotyping. I apologize to the world for stereotyping. No, I think you're right. Men in general can do it, like straight men or gay men. I think men. we do it, and it's not a matter of can do it, for the most part, certainly not all guys. Yeah. But for the most part, we don't collapse emotions and sense. That's not, that's not just a given. For the most part, I think women, and this is, again, 
stereotyping and I'm, I'm hesitant to do it, but I think as, as a rule, I don't even say that. Well, I think a lot, uh, the majority of women tend to be more emotional about sex. And of course, this has been discussed for generations. Um, so this is not a new concept. Right. But, but I think that there's, you know, things are changing in a modern world. I think women are much more liberal, liberated sexually and therefore don't fit that stereotype. I think men, some men are much more emotionally triggered by sex. Uh, and therefore, you know, they don't fit the stereotype. But as a general rule, even today, I think men um, can have sex with another man and not have any emotional connection to that person at all. Yeah. Or I think it's diff more difficult for... for yeah, women. I agree with that. I don't think it's... You don't have to worry about this, the, the idea. I mean, there's always going to be someone that disagrees with that and someone that doesn't fit that. But the rule, I think in general, I mean, well, you can say from your personal experience, and that's all we can really talk about, right? Right. We can't really talk about um, others. I mean, for me, um, I've lived almost 60 years, and for me, it just seems to be uh, the people I've been around and known and, and still know, it seems to be true that uh, for the most part, uh, gay men, um, majority of them are very fluid. Um, straight men are a close second. <laughs> yep. Uh, and well, that, and also don't, you know, we don't have women in our relationship. Yeah. And yeah. so that makes a big difference, too. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it seems to me, from the woman I do know, they're, they're much more um, emotionally tied to the men they're having sex with. They're much more involved, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's how I, how I have seen it, and it, it doesn't mean everybody, of course. And, and, and you know, I, I've had this conversation with some of my, uh, with with women, well, since I was a, a, you know, young and as a young adult, we we would discuss it, and it's like, you know, why why do women feel more emotional about sex? And I don't. There's all these theories that they would give, and some that I have myself. And I don't really, you know, in, in regard, I'm a gay guy. You're a gay guy. For us, women don't really come into um, into our relationships at all I, when it comes to sex. We don't have sex with women. So um, I don't, you know, I don't certainly, I certainly don't want to be mansplaining <laughs> female sexuality. Oh. And I certainly don't want to be making assumptions about it because I don't have a lot of connection to it. I do know that as a writer, very often I am criticized because I'm not emotional enough in my uh, descriptions of, of um, two men having sex. And therefore, I have to hire women <laughs> to help me edit them so that I am meeting their needs, my readers' needs. So, and that's really where I'm coming from in this conversation. Again, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to... Um, for anyone listening to this to think that I am trying to push my own perspective onto women's sexuality, because I don't. <laughs> yeah, he is. Now, his email is, I'll give you his phone number, and <laughs> no, you can just no. contact him. All hate mail go directly. Send it to Alan. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't have time for it. You know, the thing is, it's true. I mean, it's just what it is what it is. It's not a bad thing to have emotion with your sexual partners. It's just, it, it just, 
if that's what you do and are, that's great. And if you're not, that's great too. I just think that there's no judgment here. Yeah, and and for me personally, um, I, I'm in a long-term relationship with a man that I'm monogamous with. So sex with him is definitely much more emotional than it was when I was having, you know, a fling with a guy that I, you know, went out with once. Much more intimate with my husband than I ever was people that I was just beginning to get to know. I was still having sex with them, but um, I wasn't emotionally attached to them in any way, really, to be honest. Um, Yeah, no, and that's how it is. And I think that that's the difference. The biggest difference in, in my female friends who would start dating, they may have sex on the first date, but then they were attached. Um, and that doesn't represent everyone, but it did represent them. Uh, I had sex with a guy, and I wasn't attached at all. <laughs> that, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I was really glad for him to be gone the next day. <laughs> next day, that night. <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> I need some sleep. Get out. Um, I don't know. I think that, um, yeah, it's just, it just, I think that you have to understand that sex is different for everyone, right? We have different... Well, and maybe that's what we should be talking about, is how sex is different for everyone, uh, instead of stereotyping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, or the positive approach is, in general, for men, gay men, for sure, it's just about, uh, there's a functionality to it, there's a pleasure to it, as well as love, but um, a lot of gay men in their relationships have both, so, and can be successful, just as there's ones that don't. So, I, you know, just how it is. Absolutely. So how, how now, because this is still a very um, new category to me, um, the idea of male-male romance. Like, how far do you go? Like, how many, how many stories can you tell? It, well, I can tell it over and over again. Um, so there's a, I think we should distinguish... The MM romance market isn't very old. A decade, a little over a decade. I've seen different people debating longer. Definitely in the 70s, there were, were people who were writing um, books that, that might be considered, like the front runner, that might be considered um, a romance novel. Uh, others don't consider it a romance novel. Um, but MM romance, so the this what what this kind of got its formula now. Uh, it needs to be a certain way. That's only been around for a little over a decade, I think. If I'm, you know, following the people who are talking about that. There's another kind of category that's evolving, that hasn't found its place quite yet, but it's coming. And you might call it gay romance. It's more of an own voice where gay men are telling the story about gay rom- uh, relationships. Definitely have some of those emotional, you know, might be a little bit more emotional in their descriptions of sex than, you know, oh, my God, that was a great blowjob. Um, so it, it's kind of evolving. And I think it will continue to evolve, um, the MM and gay romance world. And they might evolve apart, the point that I'm making. As far as a romance writer, um, Nora Roberts is one of my favorite romance authors. 
she writes straight romance. And she's been at it for a very long time. And I think she had around 200, 250 books out. Wow. If you read her books, you, you do get to a point where you're wondering, you know, there's a formula to her books as well. You can tell she kind of came up with it on her own. Uh, and then she veers away from that formula and has a different formula. But, you know, love is, there's a lot of similarity to, similarities to everyone's uh, romantic relationship. And then there's differences. And so I, I think you can write that story many, many times and have nuances that, that make it interesting. I read a lot of romance. So, it, you know, and I don't, I don't, I really don't feel like I'm um, reading the same story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, you're, you're adding a lot of, um, like, you, you get into um, suspense, too, don't you? Don't you add some? Yeah, but, you know, again, I'm, I've had a lot of criticism because I don't stick with just one. Like, a lot of people will just be a contemporary romance author. Uh, some people will be suspense romance. Some people will be paranormal romance. I love Nora Roberts, and Nora didn't stick to just one. Um, so I I like the new one. I like to try different things. I like to play with a lot of different components of, of the subgenre, which is what we call gay or MM romance, the subgenre of romance. Wow. But yeah, so I do like to get into the different ones. <laughs> But are you, so but you're going to keep doing this. Eh? Like you have no intention of, of going to like uh, all of a sudden crime fiction or, you know, science fiction or something different. I make no promises. It won't be under Blake Allwood. I'll have a different pen name. If I, if I move over to a different um, approach, I love science fiction. And I absolutely love uh, fantasy. Uh, Terry Brooks, um, I, I just love those kinds of books. I haven't been inspired to write them yet, but I might be in the future. So, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not committing to not writing more different genres. Yeah, you'd have to change your name to, like, Dr. Banner or something. Yeah, right? something fun. We, something. We, should, we should have your people write in. Here's a new pen name for you. <laughs> create a name. And create a name. So now I, now I also noticed that now a while ago you started what with your Our Own Voice. And, and gay writers and stuff. So what? What? So what is that all? Like? Maybe maybe explain it to someone that doesn't know. So romance is very heavily um, occupied by by women, and um, mm-hmm. there and that includes MM romance. So I, as I told you before, over originally it was like 90 to 95 percent of gay romance was written by or mm romance was written by women now we're around and then read by women now it's it's less i think it's like 85 88 percent and so there are more gay men who are beginning to write gay fiction or gay romance as that changes we have a lot of allies that love us, that support us, uh, a lot of straight ally writers who write gay romance or MM romance that are lovely and wonderful. Most, I'd say over 98, 99% are just fantastic. There is a very small 
segment of the MM romance community who are nasty and not at all <laughs> easy to work with. And, um, and there are some readers who will actually, I, I was in one group not long ago where there, there was a reader who said, gay men don't write gay romance well. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Did you really just, in fact, that's how I responded. Did you really just say that? <laughs> so there has, so basically what's happened, I think, in the last few years, last two or three years especially, is I think there needs to be a place where gay men especially, and then other people in the LGBTQ plus community, need a place where they can have their own voice heard and not be competing with this formula that that people put out. So there's a lot of, there's, I just read a book um, by Philip, um, let me see if I can get his name here, I pulled it up, Philip William Stover. And Philip wrote about, his main character was a bear, a gay bear. Now, that does not fit into any trope that I know <laughs> in M.M. Romance. But he will need to be able to get his book out in the world and, and have gay men especially, because that's who would want to read that book. Um, he needs a place where he can get his book seen um, and, and, and marketed. And so my husband, Sean, and I sat down together, and we came up with, a website, a virtual bookstore called LGBTQOwnVoice.com. By the way, that was a promo. <laughs> Go there. Um, <laughs> but it is where own voice authors can come in and say, hey, I'm a gay person writing gay romance, or I am a queer person writing, um, you know, whatever. And that way people – so it helps on both sides. The, the authors can – can market themselves as a um, own voice author, but it's also a place where people who want to read own voice authors' work have a place to find it. And I have, and I talked about this last time I was on your show, I've had an untold number of gay men tell me they don't want anything to do with the um, MM romance world because they don't feel that the book's relate to them. And they're right. It, it wasn't written to relate to them. But in this world, the own voice authors are writing like the book from Philip Stover. It was written for men, for gay men. And um, so if you're looking for that kind of thing, you can go on to the own voice website and find the book that actually would speak to you. <clears throat> and then as an own voice author, it gives me an opportunity to write books for gay men. I don't have to follow this formula over here. I'm going to write something that, you know, my gay or bisexual male following would be more interested in. And so it just, it opens up a lot of opportunities. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. I, I personally feel that I don't really belong to too many gay groups because um, none of them like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually, I was in one, again, 99, 98, 99% are lovely, lovely women who are so supportive, and they really are allies. I've been in one or two that I had to leave 
because they were hateful. And I, there was one experience. It wasn't mine. It was one I heard uh, about a gay man who'd come in. He was older. And he asked the question about, you know, why is there so many women here? <laughs> and I guess it just decimated them. They were so hateful. Uh, yeah. I, again, this was, I mean, this is um, circumstantial evidence. I'm coming from someone else's perspective, but I didn't actually experience it. But I have seen people come down after uh, people who have asked that question. Of course, in my groups, I, I nip that in the bud real quick. But, um, yeah. I, well, they're all political, and and it's really it's really uh, it's really a tough thing to deal with. Most of the group, I don't belong to too many of them, because most of them are very political, and they've got all these rules and ideas about what they think is right and wrong and stuff like that. And, and frankly, my writing doesn't fit most of them. So no, you're you're writing a very different thing, and you don't necessarily have gay characters in your books. No, but, there are in a few of them, but that's not. It's not my focus, right? So, I don't know. And so, I, it would be difficult. You know, where do you? It would be hard to fit into those roles. I, my goal with own voice authors is that you would be able to have your books on there, but you would be clear. You'd be able to tell people, "I'm a gay author, but I'm not necessarily writing gay romance, or I'm not necessarily, you know, my characters aren't necessarily gay." Because sometimes I just want to read something a gay man wrote. <laughs> Because well, we yeah. do have a similar perspective on things. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the idea. That's the way I always looked at it, um, because we want to be treated that way in, in the mainstream world. We want to be able to publish a book or produce a documentary or whatever we do and have it accepted for what it is, not not reject it because I'm gay or looked right. at differently, right? If, if we want that, we also have to treat our own that way. You're right. Uh, and, and I'm not getting that feeling. I get the feeling like if I don't adapt to what I'm supposed to be like as a gay man, then all of a sudden, no, we don't want you in here. And there's been a few groups like that. And so I just I just usually don't even bother joining now because you get that sort of an attitude. It's kind of like, well, I, you know, I've got so much going on. I really don't want to get into a fight, you know, with people. Oh, yeah. You know, it is what it is. I like Wiener and <laughs> always have. And and but yet I write true crime and I write cults and I write all these books that are nonfiction, but I'm not supposed to, I guess. And and uh, gay men well, are supposed to read it. Any time someone is telling me what to do or how to act, that's a good time for me to know that, that they are not where I belong. <laughs> I am not their target demographic. Yeah, it, and it makes no sense because, you see, so I just put it out and whoever's interested in that type of work, I, I and if they're good, I'll, I'll join that group because it's not, like I said, I want anybody to read it. I want someone to read it and kind of go, yeah, I like it, or they don't like it, whatever, but they read it because of the, the subject, not, not going, oh, well, I think he's queer. I don't know if I want that, <laughs> right? Uh, no, you're going to have that some, I'm sure. Well, you're always going to have some that hate you for that, and if they find yeah. out it does it right, blah, blah, blah. Just like if you're up and on um, and you go, oh, I love Trump, right? There's people that will hate you. I know I don't want to have Trump lovers on my social media, and it's not because I hate them. It's just that I don't want to see all that stuff being posted. So I understand selection, but um, – but again, if, as gay people, if we want our stuff that we produce to be um, a, at least accepted by the public, 
we also have to accept ourselves, and and I see that as an issue. You know, I, you I certainly think yes. I the meanest people to other gay people are gay people, and yeah. that is, I am sorry, that is not a stereotype. That is absolute fact. Yeah. If if you if I, I have known from uh, early age um, when I first came out, a closeted gay man will kill you. <laughs> It will come after you. And then politician after politician, the nastier they are, the more likely they're gay yeah. when it comes to gay issues. But also in the open and the people who are out of the closet, they can just be absolutely nasty to other gay people. You know, as a 49-year-old man, almost 50, I don't really run into that very much anymore because, you know, I'm not on the market. I'm off the market. I've been off the market for a long time. So if you think I'm fat, well, I am. <laughs> you'll be okay it don't have anything to do with you and it don't have anything to do with me um, how you feel about me so I have a little different perspective on that but I, I you are right I, I do think we are more critical of each other than we are of other people and yeah. that, that does make it hard um, but I don't really I don't really get involved in those groups either I'm just not drawn to them um, I'm more drawn to the groups at least on Facebook that have pretty men, <laughs> pretty pictures of men, uh, big old muscular men. I like a little hair, you know. I, I like my I like my men bear like. <laughs> I do like a little belly, you know. <laughs> so those are the groups that I'm attracted to. <laughs> so you like grinder scruff? <laughs> grinder? I don't know anything about grinder to be honest with you. I, I downloaded the I downloaded the app and it didn't do much for me. Um, but I, I like, what is it? Bears and otters. I'm trying to remember all the things. <laughs> I'm so out of it, Alan. We really are showing my ignorance here. No, that's fine. It's all, it, everybody's good. It doesn't matter. So that's, that's quite the, um, well, that's really, so what's next? Now what? Well, so book-wise... I have I have a dozen books that are in editing at the moment. I have my final uh, book in the Chance series. Um, it is not, you know, Martin and Peter were exes, and so those those books are kind of odd books to make a series out of anyway. But um, Peter's friend, Clay, or, sorry, Joshua, inherits a orange grove in Mesa, Arizona, where I'm actually living at the moment. And um, in fact, where I'm sitting used to be an orange grove. Um, he and he inherits this, and so he is moving out to this area um, from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And so there's a lot about that. Uh, so that's the next book coming out. It actually was, um, I had a publisher agree to take that book, and then I backed out and decided to stay pub stay self-published. But um, I, I don't know if that means it's better or what, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> well, why would why why would you back out? Like what, you know, you don't have to name the publisher, but why, what's the deal with backing out? Are you just unsure about publishers or what? The contract was really uh, pretty intense, and uh, they would have owned anything I write about Mesa, Arizona or Phoenix or anything in this area. 
the way the contract was written, and it was just too much for me. Uh, my attorney looked at it, and she agreed. It, it was a little bit too much. Uh, and self-publishing, you know, I it's pretty cool. I get to be in charge of everything. <laughs> yeah, once you learn it. Any control. Yeah, once you learn it, and if you've got good editors and all that sort of stuff and good cover designs, you can... You can yeah. you, you can do well with it. It's just getting it's getting a team together. I think. Yeah, that is hard, and that is the most difficult thing I have done. <clears throat> and my team isn't. You know, I'm not complete. I need a proofreader. I need a couple beta readers. You know, I've got I've got more places in my team uh, that need to be filled, and it's expensive. I mean, I have to pay for everything out of pocket. But at the end of the day, it's mine. I don't have to share it with anyone. So that, that makes it very desirable. And yeah. when you when you sign a contract, you really are making an agreement. It's like the contract I would have signed if I did if I took the publishing deal, they would have owned the rights to my books, a lot of my books uh, that I have already written that are in the editing process because they have first right of refusal to anything that comes after that book. And it was just too much for me. I could probably take it to a different publisher who doesn't have that same level of requirement. And I may in the future. I'm not against public, you know, traditional publishing. But but at the moment, self-publishing is doing me good. Well, mm. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so that book is coming out. It's called Taking a Chance for Love. And it'll be out in the next month or so. So now um, let's give out all of your websites. So where do people come find the great Blake Allwood? Well, the easiest, most direct way to find me is to go to my website, which is my name, at my name. Or that's my, I'm sorry, that's my email. My name, at my name. But if you want to go to my website, it's just my name.com. BlakeAllwood.com. Well, perfect. And, and if, yeah, I guess I just gave you my email, too, those who want to hate mail me. Yeah, send them all the, you know, please everybody. Don't, please don't. Everything that you're angry about in the world today, no, no. I want you to send him something. And t- send him pictures because, you know, he's, you know, he's, a, he's in a little need of yeah, some so inspiration. Alan's email is. Yeah, oh, God, yeah, they, they can get a hold of me. Just send it through the station or through the website. Today, we've been talking with Blake Allwood, and we will... Um, perhaps be back for another show after this one. I don't know. Thanks very much, Blake. All right. Thank you. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end. By George, he's got it. It is the end. I'll tell you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.